Good afternoon, KCR College Radio, the award-winning side of the state. I'm Andrew Vargas, and you are listening to episode 11 of Aztec Sportscast. Uh, across from me is my co-host, Brevin Honda. How are you doing today, Brevin? Doing good. Um, we had a, another great great weekend of Aztec Sports. We're ready to start a fresh week here at San Diego State University, and ready to have another edition of Aztec Sportscast. Yeah, you said it. All right, so... Let's start off with our uh, weekly sports, as we always do. So, uh, Brevin, I'm going to toss it to you with our women's swim and dive team. Yeah, we go to swim and dive where they um, are heading back into match play. They've had a few weeks off since their their home and opener, opener that they had last month. Uh, they are heading to the University of Missouri for the Mizzou Invitational that will take place from Wednesday and Friday. And over the weekend... The diving team, they will be participating in the Northern Arizona Diving Invitational at Northern Air- Northern Arizona University. This will last from Friday to Sunday. We go to volleyball where they finish up their t- uh, final two v- games of the season um, on the road. They head Thursday at Utah State. That game begins at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And on Saturday, they finish the year at Boise State beginning at 1 p.m. Pacific time. The Aztecs. When both those teams were here at Peterson Gym earlier in the year, the Aztecs beat Utah State in three sets, and they lost to Boise in five sets in a really close match. All right, we had to basketball where on Thursday, the Aztecs will play at um, uh, they'll play here at Viejas Arena against Cal Berkeley at 6.30 on Thursday, so they get to face a Power 5 conference team. All right, Andrew, take away with football and men's basketball. All right, so I'm going to start off with the men's basketball team. So they'll be be facing uh, USD Toreros, our cross rivals. Uh, they'll be playing at their home at 8 p.m. A little bit of a late start, but hey, I, I bet they'll be fired up and be prepared for that game because since they beat us last semester here, it's our turn to beat them at third place now. Yep. All right. Uh, we televised the game on FS West, and the radio's frequencies will be on 101.5 KGB, extra 1360. Fox Sports IE 1350. And also, they'll here be playing the men's basketball against uh, Long Island University. The game will be here at the Viejas Arenas at 7 p.m. tip-off. The radio frequencies as will be the same ones as 101.5 KGB, Extra 1360, Fox Sports 1350. And um, for the football team, they'll be playing traveling to Hawaii at 6 p.m. <clears throat> at 6 p.m. and then 8 p.m. Uh, will be the um, Pacific time here, but the 6 p.m. Uh, time is gonna be Hawaii time. So a little bit, of, you know, backtrack for a time. Uh, the tele- it'll be televised on Spectrum Sports, and uh, they'll be broadcast on the radio frequencies to 1.5 KGB, extra 1360, and Fox Sports IE. Now, Brevin, let's talk about the um, the preview for the Toreros uh, game that the Aztecs are going to face on Wednesday before we talk about the football game. Uh, much needed win that they got uh, yep. against Fresno State. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let, let's talk about the um, preview for the USD. Yeah, I think with this game, you have to realize that this is a USD team that beat Fresno State uh, a couple weeks, or I think it was last week. And mm-hmm. the Aztecs have to continue the momentum that they had when they played BYU and they played 
at home against Grand Canyon, who the Aztecs won for the first time in program history against Grand Canyon in their third try. They couldn't beat them a couple of years ago, twice. Um, the Aztecs now just have to just really just keep that momentum that they've been able to have, you know, play good defense. You know, we saw how good this defense is as really one of the big question marks heading into this year. Yeah, and I also would say uh, have the bench uh, contribute yep. because, you know, they faced Grand Canyon, and in that game as a bench uh, unit, they, they combined up 32 p total points. Uh, you know, Mitchell had nine points. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson had six points. Siako had six points. Almost that bench was a contribution mm -hmm. in that game. So I think the bench has to uh, continue on and contributing because, I mean, the guards for the team, uh, KJ and um, uh, Flynn, have been very good so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you had Shackles' three-point shooting to go with that at the three. And, you know, you think about the depth of this team behind the five starters. You've got Trey Pulliam. You talked about Mitchell. You talked about um, Keyshawn Johnson, mm -hmm. you know, and and even you got Aguayka Rope. And mm -hmm. Dutcher said it, head coach Brian Dutcher said it before, is he could start nine guys uh, but you only get to start five and really you've been seeing the only really shake up uh at, since the beginning has been the starting of jordan shackle instead of matt mitchell and that's just because of mitchell getting back really into basketball activity and really feeling things where he can play a good amount of time i think one of these things for the i think to see as we get closer towards when we play colorado state and san jose state in Utah a couple state. of weeks for conference is you know, who's going to be that first to play 30 minutes? Mm -hmm. And we mentioned this last week with um, Kyle uh, Betts. You know, this basketball team so far isn't a uh, traditional uh, shooting team, but so far they've been shooting mm -hmm. the threes mm -hmm. so far. Uh, I put a little bit percentage. Um, they're shooting 43% from the three-point um, line. So, so far so good in these mm -hmm. uh, three games they've been playing. And... Uh, I see the, the, a little bit of improvement in the uh, field goal percentage. Right now they're mm -hmm. at 46 so far in mm -hmm. three games. So I think that'll get better as the season goes on. I think so. I think it's most of those are about finishing in the right at the basket. And it's always tough when you've got, you know, guys that are jumping up and trying to block, block those shots. I think that's just kind of been kind of like the Achilles heel right now. And I just mean right now. I don't mean for games from now. It's just kind of. What we saw, you know, you think about when we were at BYU, that game, the lead for the Aztecs should have been a lot more had they made their layups. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just going to come down to, you know, doing the little things, making their layups, making their free throws, you know, and making buckets when they have to make buckets. And uh, they'll face, um, you know, Long Island University this Friday. Uh, what, in your opinion, what, what is it that the um, Aztecs need to do consistently? Uh, whatever the results are, hopefully it's a W against Toreros. Against LIU? Or yes, LIU. Um, I think against LIU, they just have to realize that this is where their depth is going to come in handy because you're playing three games um, in a span of like six days or something like that, playing Wednesday, Friday, and then you play Monday. Um, you've got this is where you really have to use your bench to your knowledge that you have is Brian Dutcher. You know, you've got a Guayca rope. You know, we talked about the bench that we've had, and you think about the way that the bench has been able to perform. You've got Trey Pulliam ready to come off the bench anytime he can. Um, 
you know, even Matt Mitchell that we've talked about. And this is where, like I've said, the bench is going to be a key factor um, heading into Vegas in a week and a half. Yeah, I'm trying to look up um, LIU's record. I want to see if they have a W. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you that, you know, have to have that consistency, you know, able to maneuver their uh, depth positions, which this team mm-hmm. has uh, this year. And um, I think another thing that's going to be a factor, uh, the crowd, I would say, because mm-hmm. I know it's early in the season. Hopefully the crowd can show up more and support the team. Yeah, especially I think the students. You think about the show and how well the show has grown over the years, especially in the years that they've won. I don't think this is a team. I don't think this is a student section that has been able at its peak yet. Um, you think about you know 2014, 2011. We were you know those Sweet 16 years, and the following the year after, you know you went to the NCAA tournament. The show would be packed um, on day one, and I feel like that. Once the students realize how good this basketball team is, you'll have to get there 45 minutes earlier just to get a good seat mm-hmm. if you're a student. Um, Long Island is uh, winless so far this mm-hmm. season, um, so I wouldn't uh, over uh, est- overestimate mm-hmm. their opponents, even, yeah. they, even if they don't have mm-hmm. a W yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think another thing for both Wednesday and Friday is going to be rebounding. And how well the Aztecs can rebound because, you know, we've talked about it last year when this basketball team played. They're, they went 17-1 and when they owned that rebounding advantage. And that's going to be a key thing, especially when you got four six tens on your team and two of them start with Yanni Wetzel and Nathan Mensa. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about the football game, which was on Friday. Uh, Aztecs won. 17 to 7. He beat Fresno State for the first time since 2006. 2016. Uh, 2016, sorry. Uh, they're 8 and 2 overall. And in the conference, they're 5 and 2. And the first in the West Division. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brevin, you went to the game. What stood out to you uh, from that game that the Aztecs were able to, you know, brush off that tough loss against mm-hmm. Nevada? and able to get a uh, victory against Fresno State. I think it's, you think about the loss that happened the week before at Nevada and kind of what happened there. Kind of, you know, most of the fans, you think about getting to a New Year's Six, you know, mm-hmm. what, entering that, um, coming into Friday, there was no talk of them being part of a New Year's Six. Their goal was to win the conference championship. And I think that's been the goal, and that's been the goal since day one. You think about, you know, what a conference championship means for a program. You know, that's how, you know, if you're, if you win a conference championship, you know, in other sports, you go on to play in the Mountain West Conference, in the NCAA tournaments, you know, basketball, women's soccer, any type of sport in college athletics, you know, to win a conference championship means that you're not, you're the best team in the conference that year. And, when you think about the Aztecs, the only team that's really above them is really Boise State. Mm-hmm. And to think about going into Saturday when we play at Hawaii, the goal is going to get in there. You mm-hmm. know, they've they've football players they've had the hashtag of win twenty two, and that's to win the twenty second conference championship. And they've got the defense to do it. I mean, when you looked about Friday, 
Um, you know, the they first three three interceptions mm-hmm. could have had a chance for fourth by Dwayne Johnson Jr. Um, you know, Luke Barku got two interceptions who we talked to earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got seven on the year. He's tied for second in the map and tied for second, not just in the map, uh, tied for second in FBS mm-hmm. in all of college football. And right now he's tied for fourth in SDSU single season history with those seven interceptions. And, you know, it's really just been the defense that has been helping these yeah, Aztecs. the whole season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I was concerned uh, about if they were able to slow down Fresno State's uh, offense. I know mm-hmm. that last year their offense was very good, and they were a different team last year from this year, but I was concerned if they were going to be able to hang on. But their defense was able to, you know, shut them down and mm-hmm. all let them seven points mm-hmm. in total. Yeah, we, we talked about Kyrie Woods getting hurt a couple weeks ago. It doesn't feel like the Aztecs have lost anything with him being out with that ACL injury. And you think about the secondary that they have, Tariq Thompson, you know, Barku, Darren Hall, you know, guys like that that have been able to step up, Dwayne Johnson Jr. that have been able to step up in Kyrie Woods' place and felt like nothing's been missed out of him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Ryan Agnew was solid in that game uh, through three, 323 Yards, one mm-hmm. touchdown, one interception, and this was the first three thousand yard passer since Quinn. Um, if I'm gonna say this uh, last name right, uh, Kaler? Kaler? Yeah, Quinn Kaler. Yeah, in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, yeah. Ryan, yeah, he threw for three hundred twenty three yards, and um, you know, like you said, first three hundred yard passer since Quinn Kaler, and to think about what this spread has done for this team you know it finally came into fruition um rocky long said after the game i thought our offense finally showed dividends of being in a spread formation we were having trouble running the ball because fresno state had so many guys in the box that we couldn't block them block them all and it was making it tough to run we had a whole lot of one-on-one situations with receivers that made good catches that got open made um and they made good catches and that kind of showed you think about third and 14 on your one one yard line in the fourth quarter and you throw it out and that's a 29 yard touchdown or not touchdown catch but a 29 yard catch that mm-hmm. moves the chains and has the Aztecs finish the game off you know the Aztecs when there were eight minutes on the clock the Aztecs held the ball for those final eight pretty much seven minutes and 55 seconds and um Couple of more stats. Uh, total yards, the Aztecs had the advantage. They had 425. You mentioned the time of possession. They had 36 minutes with five seconds. And um, one key stat I think was very important it was the penalties. They only mm-hmm. had five penalties, uh, allowing 50 yards. So that was a good uh, component to uh, clean up, you know, situations that they have, you know, that they have with uh, Nevada a couple of weeks ago. And, um, SDSU is seven and zero and uh fifty eight and twelve in the uh, Rocky Long's um era when leading in the half, mm-hmm. and uh they're eight and zero and fifty eight and twelve in Rocky Long's era, and uh leading after the three quarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that kind of goes to the defense not being able to give up um once you're um entering the break. I think another thing that was a key thing that we saw uh, from this game was. Juwan Washington didn't even get a snap last um, on Friday night, and 
Long said that we didn't think Washington looked good in practice. He said he says he feels good, says he's 110%, but he's not running it like Juwan runs it, so we decided to leave him out. And, and I think it kind of shows, especially when you got Fresno State attacking the box the way they did, you know, be able to throw it out, you know, throw it in the slot with Chase Jasmine. And that's kind of how the, the Aztecs were able to utilize their running backs, especially if they couldn't run the ball. All right, so let's do a quick preview since they're going to play Hawaii at Hawaii. Um, you know, Hawaii is a very good offensive team in the Mountain West. Uh, really? Almost every category mm-hmm. they rank number one except for uh, running the ball, but it's going to be a very challenging um, game for mm-hmm. the Aztecs, you know, yeah, second to last game I of the season. I think it's also going to be a big important for the defense and especially to talk about the secondary and mm-hmm. who the Aztecs have to worry about and that's most likely going to be Hawaii's quarterback, Cole McDonald, who yep. has thrown 12 interceptions this year. Mm-hmm. And I think this turnovers are going to be a key factor in Saturday's game. You think about you know, the, four, the fumble that the Aztecs had at the two-yard line. You know, that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. You know, to see that, to see the fumble that the Aztecs committed, it something that you're probably going to see when there's a blue moon out. But other than that, it's not going to happen. And when you think about Hawaii, it's going to come down to turnovers. You know, who can mm-hmm. commit less turnovers is probably going to who wins the game and have less penalties like we talked about against Fresno State. Yeah, and I think also uh, the defensive line needs to create some um, pressure on um, you know mm-hmm. Hawaii's quarterback uh, Cole McDaniel. The last two games he hasn't been sacked, so he's been you know sitting pretty in the back of the um, offensive line and throwing some uh, touchdowns and uh, passing yards. Mm-hmm. So I think it's gonna be a very pivotal thing to pressuring the offensive line of Hawaii's. Yeah, definitely. I think about when you think about this young defensive line that we've had that we thought was a question heading into the year has turned out to be one of the biggest assets this mm-hmm. football team has, you know, to really the whole defense, both the secondary and the D line, you know, especially with um, Brady Hope coming into this program, being able to, you know, an experienced coach helping a young defensive line and being able to see where um, they've been able to come so far this season. Mm-hmm. Um, when you've got, you know, especially the linebackers, you know, we talked about Kiava Tizino and how well he's been able to be a force in the Aztecs defense or 3-3-5 defense. And really, this is going to be one of the biggest offenses the Aztecs are going to see all year. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that, you know, it's going to be an early start at Hawaii at 6 p.m. Do you think that time will have a factor in the game? I don't think so. I mean... It's practically close enough to playing at seven. It, you know, we played at six thirty on Friday. You know, the Aztecs they'll get an extra day to rest, get an extra day to prepare as well. So I don't think um, time will be a big factor. And plus, you know, they're they're just worried about winning a football game. They're worried, they're not worried about um, an hour difference or two hours difference. They're trying to win the football game to go to the Mountain West Conference Championship game. Um, December 1st. Yeah, and the winner of this game will be um, going to the... Well, mm-hmm. they'll win the West and represent yep. going to the Mountain West mm-hmm. Championship, which presumably we expect it'll be Boise State. Most likely on the other side, mm-hmm. you got Air Force. Um, that's another one-loss team. And 
I can't remember who the other one loss team is on the mountain division side. Um, but those will be the two prohibited, you know, yeah, out. Uh, Utah State, they're the other team who okay. beat the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're hoping that the Aztecs, uh, you're hoping it's not Utah State to get, if the Aztecs were to win, they, they would play Utah State because that game would be in Utah because of head to head. I think, let's see, five and one. Um, you know, I think it's just going to, probably be in that mountain division site. Thanks for tuning in to Aztec Sportscast on KCR College Radio, the award-winning sound of state. We had just discussed our weekly SDSU sports, talked about the uh, ma- uh, the men's basketball team. They'll be facing USD on Wednesday. And we just talked about uh, the Aztecs uh, football team victory against Fresno State, and we did a little preview of uh, what's to come for the matchup on Saturday while they travel to Hawaii. All right, let's talk about some college football. Any game that stood out to you, Brevin, or anything that happened overall? I mean, the Tua Tagovailoa injury, that's got to be the first thing. I mean, even though Alabama won that game, they won that game with something to think about moving forward, and that's loss of their QB Mm -hmm. uh, with that hip injury that he uh, got on Saturday. Yeah, I think that was the biggest story of football. One thing I felt was big was uh, the the veiling of the uh, college football. I think it's this third week or oh, the college football playoff yes, rankings. Yes, uh huh. They already have an SEC team in the top six. Yep. And I think I'm gonna call it right now. I think they're gonna have a, another SEC team in the college football playoffs once the rankings what are if, finally revealed. What if a team like Oregon uh, wins? I, I think there will be a strong case for him, but the community is going to hold against them because they lost against Auburn early in the season. I bet it will be that reason they're going to hold them accountable for that. So you think losing to Auburn was a bad loss, even though how good Auburn's been this year? It wasn't a bad loss, i say. I think their argument, the committee, not mine, I, mm-hmm. I think Oregon should be in the playoffs, but I think the committee is going to say that, oh, well, you lost against a um, good um, Auburn team, but you didn't win, but you, you couldn't get into the championship. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you beat Utah, presumably, in the Pac-12 championship, yeah. but you didn't get that key mark uh, victory mm-hmm. early in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, one game that stood out to me the most was um, Oklahoma coming back all the way, uh, yes. 21 points deficit at halftime, mm-hmm. beating Baylor. In a shocking fashion. Yeah, they were down. T- you know, I th- I thought last week I said I thought Baylor was going to win that game. Mm-hmm. And they, were they were winning. Yeah, but they couldn't finish it out. No, the defense has <sighs> just got cut off, and that defense is pretty good for it uh, Baylor's. It they're, is. They're in the top rankings in the Big Twelve, but uh, yeah, uh, Baylor at, at the half gave up twenty four unanswered points, mm-hmm. and they didn't score no points at all. And I guess they thought. It was one half of football, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I think the other game, I think that stood out was the Minnesota game. Minnesota yeah. losing and against Iowa. Mm-hmm, that kind of hurts the Big Ten. Yeah, um, I think just because of when you've got all these other teams, you know, trying to get in the four, um, you know, LSU still being able to win, mm-hmm. um, you know. Navy getting that big, or Navy losing to Notre Dame, 
Yeah. Um, that game as well. Um, and just some of these other games that have stood out. I think I know with with Yasex not playing on Saturday. I think the one game I was watching was Hawaii and facing UNLV because a loss would mean that Hawaii would have to beat the Aztecs yeah. mm-hmm. in order to play in the Mountain West Conference Championship. Yeah. Uh. Okay, let's talk about some two uh, pivotal games that we felt are important for uh, this week's college football. Uh, let's start off with uh, number 19, Texas, traveling to, um, well, not traveling too far since it's in Texas, uh, Baylor. Uh, number 13, Baylor. Do you think the Baylor uh, will, you know, regroup and bounce back and beat Texas? Because the winner of this game probably will face Oklahoma. Yeah, I think... Um... In the Big 12 uh, championship. Yeah, I think it's going to be the the Baylor defense and how well they could do against Sam Ellinger in that Texas offense. And Sam Ellinger might might be a Heisman Trophy candidate too. Um, it depends on how well Sam Ellinger can come out and have that performance that he wants to have mm-hmm. um, for Texas, especially that would help Texas, especially in a big road game. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not so sure. I'm a little uh, toss up with this matchup. You know, Baylor had uh, Oklahoma, but they just lost in the second half. I don't know how they're gonna uh, regroup immediately. You know, after losing that matchup against Oklahoma and Texas, you know, they lost against Iowa State, but that was still you know not a good uh, way to lose against an unranked opponent for Texas. I don't. I'm not so sure. I I would have to uh, say. Whoever plays the best game, honestly, that mm-hmm. will win this. Yeah, both these teams are coming off the loss. We talked about Baylor's loss, Texas. They lost at Iowa State, and it looks like it's been tough to tough on the road for Texas. So I feel like Baylor might have the edge um, for uh, the Bears. Okay, in the second matchup, we got uh, number nine Penn State traveling to Columbus, Ohio to face number two, Ohio State. Uh, do you think Penn State has a chance to beat Ohio State? Because, um, I, I mean, Justin Fields has been playing yeah, incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be tough for Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, this is pretty much their last chance to, you know, show the community, like, hey, we beat one of the best football college football teams um, teams in the nation, we deserve to be in the um, conversation of the CFP. But see, here's the thing: if you're if you if you win, if you're Penn State and you win, does that hurt the Big Ten chances to play in a college football playoff? I would think so, but very slightly. I think if Penn State wins this game, I think it'll they're their resume will boost uh, right away, even though they lost against oh, yeah. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it, w- it will boost their resume immediately. Mm-hmm. But I would expect Ohio State would win this yeah. game, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because Ohio State's the only zero-loss team in the Big Ten. Yeah. If if Ohio State were to lose, you'd have three one-loss teams. And you know, even though one-loss teams are starting to open up and have a chance to come back, I don't know if you can afford a loss like this this late in the season and still have a chance to make the college football playoff. I mean, we saw Alabama when they lost to LSU. You know, they dropped out of the four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now you're starting to see these other teams that have 
that haven't lost, you know, teams like Clemson, teams, you know, LSU that continue to find a way to win. I don't know if you can ha- be a one-loss team now. Yeah, you can't afford it in this case. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, all right, I'm going to read some ads right now on behalf of KCR College Radio before we unveil our uh, decades of the college football. All right. So, fans of podcasts, make sure to tune in to KCR On Demand, the newest platform for entertainment for your radio show hosts here at SDSU. Find us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud at KCR College Radio. No plans for this weekend? Check out the House of Blues in downtown San Diego for some amazing concerts in one beautiful venue. Make sure to check out our giveaways on kcrlive.com for a chance to win tickets to concerts throughout the semester. And stop by by Music a la Mesa at 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. on Thursdays for more giveaway opportunities. All right, so let's talk about our uh, top five um, college football from this decade. Um, I'm going to start off with mine go for right it. away. So I'm going to go through five to one. I have five um, Georgia 2017-2018 season. That team could have beat Alabama at that national championship if it weren't um, Nick Saban's adjustment, you know, benching um, Hurts for uh, Tua Tagovailoa, and the rest is history. Man, that was incredible. Especially after last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I have a number five. Uh, number four, a uh, little bit of a surprise. I don't know if you'll take it as a surprise, Brevin, but I have Stanford as number four, 2010-2011 season. Uh, at that time, Jim Harbour was still running uh Stanford yep. program. Very good. Yep. Uh, and Andrew Luck was uh, still a pivotal uh, best prospect uh, throughout the nation. And uh, they beat uh, VT, Virginia Tech, at the Orange Bowl 40-12. Oh, to 12. That game. Yep. Yep. 40-12. to 12. Number three, uh, this, is a, this is a tough one, but I have Ohio State 2014-2015 season. Oh. That season, that roster was pivotal all over what? the place. Yeah. Hold on. You you have um very good collegiate quarterbacks. You got yep. JT Barrett, mm-hmm. you got Braxton Miller, and then you got Carnell Jones who won the no. <laughs> <laughs> They're good college quarterbacks. Yeah, college quarterbacks. Yeah. Jones, you know, the one yeah. that win that beat Alabama. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, pit that uh-huh. performance against Wisconsin mm-hmm. in order to get to yeah. the college football mm-hmm. playoffs and beat Oregon. Yep. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Ohio State team. Yep. Uh, you know Ezekiel Elliott was the running back at that time. Uh, you Oop, had no. <laughs> <laughs> everybody who who Ezekiel Elliott. Who? <laughs> <laughs> um, you have a couple of good D lines. Uh, Joey Boza, Noah Spence, and then you got linebacker Joshua Perry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think this was a very good, solid number three team. Very tough too. And then my, I have my number two as uh, last year's or this year's uh, national champion, uh, Clemson, 2018-19 season. Mm-hmm. The way how Clemson beat Alabama, yep. blew out mouth. Freshman quarterback. Yep, Trevor Lawrence. That was a sh- <laughs> huge shocker. Uh, I Shock, almost had shocked a, everyone. 
I almost had him as number one, but my number one team, in my opinion, from this decade, I have uh, 2012-2013 Alabama. Uh, that team uh, blew off um, undefeated at the time. Notre Dame beat them in the uh, – back then it was the BCS championship. Uh, they beat them 42-14. to uh, And that team in the collegiate level, um, you had A.J. McCarron, their quarterback – uh, they have uh, right tackle guard, right tackle DJ Fluker, uh, linebacker CJ Mosley, uh, running back Eddie Lacy was in that team, and uh, wide receiver Amari Cooper was in that team. Hmm. All right, my five teams. I'm gonna go by program, like how I've done the past couple of weeks. Go by whole team, decade. Um, I'm gonna start number five. I'm gonna go with Auburn and the way they've been able to play over the last decade. Georgia, number four, Ohio State, three, uh, Clemson, and Alabama. And if you want a group of five school, I'm going to have to go Boise State. I can see Boise State for that. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Aztec Sportscast here on KCR College Radio, the award-winning sound of state. Now let's move on into um, NFLs, shall we? Um, any game that stood out to you, Brevin, in particular? Uh, the 49ers, they were down by, what was it, 16 at one point, come back to win. Um, that was my lock pick. Um, thinking it was going to be a little bit bigger of a game for the 49ers. How about the 49ers? I know, I don't know if Kyle uh, Saunders is listening to our program, but I hope <laughs> he doesn't come into the studio and start banging on me, but... The 49ers have been struggling a lot with uh, mobile quarterbacks, I've been noticing. It's, yeah, it's just been their QB that's kind of been the weak link so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, but it's been the defense that has yeah. helped this 49ers team be 9-1 and where it wants to be. Mm-hmm. One game that stood out to me was um, Texans getting blown out oh my God. against uh, Baltimore. Oh, I, thought that was, I thought that game was going to be closer yeah. than it was. I thought that too, but no, they just got punched in the mouth. And um, Lamar Jackson, oh my gosh, he's um, developed very good this season. And, uh, you know, I saw somewhere, I think it was ESPN, that they already have him as a favorite to win MVP. Would you agree uh, with that? I don't know about that. With the year that Russell Wilson's been having, you mm-hmm. know, to get that overtime last week against the 49ers yeah. to... You know, the five touchdown passes that he had at mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think right now he's still, I think Russell Wilson's still the favorite. Yeah, I agree. You know, Lamar Jackson is having a tremendous um, year. I think he would win the offensive player of the year. He's got a chance, but then you've got players like Christian McCaffrey, yeah. Michael Thomas, you know, that have also played well too. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree that Russell is the favorite, in our mm-hmm. opinions, for the MVP race. Um, any other games for the NFL that stood out to you? Um, <laughs> Thursday night football. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> let's get into that right now. Oh, here we go. All right. <laughs> so I had the Steelers upsetting the Cleveland Browns confidently. I I felt like that, <laughs> but man, what a bloodbath at the end! Oh you my know? god, it didn't even feel like there was a game going on. Yeah, and <laughs> I was like, really? Mm-hmm. And towards that, um. Last couple of seconds there in the fourth quarter, um, Miles um, Garrett. Miles Garrett, you know, just decides to decides end, to end grab, his season right there and then. 
decides to grab uh, Mason Rudolph and just, I guess, puts him in the ground. And I guess Mason didn't like that. And he starts to grab him in the mask and then starts to get up. And then Miles Garrett doesn't like it. And he grabs Mason Rudolph from the mask and all hell <laughs> broke loose after that. Yeah, pulls off, pulls off Mason Rudolph's helmet and hits him. With Rudolph's helmet yeah, in that his was own brutal. head. Yeah, that was brutal to watch. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what a bloodbath um, that was. Um, we're not gonna translate what we're not gonna mouth what he what what any of them said though. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> uh, we can't do that. No. But uh, let's get into our picks oh, right now. Um, I had my upset pick. You know, the Steelers beating the Cleveland Browns, which did not happen. Um, last week we have Kyle. Um, Betts and he had the Bucks beating the Saints. Um, that didn't Saints happen. won. Saints uh, won. Saints won thirty-four to seventeen. And uh, you picked the te- Texans Rangers to beat uh, yeah, Ravens, that and didn't. that didn't happen. Nope. But, uh, lock picks. Yeah. Um, you and Kyle each had the Raiders to beat the Bengals. Yeah. Um, beat them by a touchdown. I thought it would have been a little bit more of a late for the Raiders, but. Hey, a win's a win, and the Raiders yeah, will take it. I'll take that. Uh, 49ers, pretty much the same way, gotten by the Cardinals, 36-26 to at home in Santa Clara. So let's look at um at the overall standings. I'm mm-hmm. up by a game, Andrew. I'm 11-9. and Andrew's standing at 500 at 10 and 10. 10. Kyle's at 1 and 1. Mm-hmm. And then we still, oh, well, we, we forgot to announce this, but, uh, Christian um, Alvarez, we had him as a guest a couple of weeks ago, and he yep. predicted that Seattle would um, beat San Francisco on yep. Monday, mm-hmm. Monday night, and yeah. that came up true. So he's four and zero. Daniel Farr is two and zero, and Kyle Betts is one and one. All right, let's make our uh, lock picks and upset picks. You want to start off, Brevin? Yeah, I'm gonna pick uh, the Steelers this week. I feel like Andrew. I feel like even though the Steelers lost last week, I feel like they're going to be a lot to win this week against the Bengals, the winless Bengals that are 0-9. Um, you know, I like the way Mike Tomlin has had the attitude with this team, you know, despite losing Big Ben to injury, despite what happened last year with Antonio Brown, you know, all those receivers that he's had. But to be... Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm, yeah, and to see where he is now, it's kind of might be a candidate for coach of the year despite mm-hmm. when you've got Kyle Shanahan with the Niners and these other coaches but the you know really just to see the Mike Tomlin what he's been able to do with this team I feel like the Steelers are going to get a win uh week 12 against the Bengals okay I got my pick I have the New England Patriots winning against the Dallas Cowboys um it's gonna be in Foxborough so I have a confidence that they can um, beat the Cowboys because I feel like the Cowboys, even though they have a great offensive line, good quarterback, very good um, running back, but I think their weak link is their um, head coach, um, Garrett. I feel that he's just the that's holding back on them. But uh, I'm taking Tom Brady and Belichick in, in this one, despite that they look pretty ugly, especially their offensive side. Uh, last week or yesterday against the Philadelphia Eagles. So I got the Patriots in the lock. For my upset pick, I got the Jets uh, beating the Raiders, actually. Uh, the Jets have been playing very good for the last two games. Uh, the Raiders are going to travel all the way west coast to east coast, so 
that might be a little bit of a factor. Uh, but I like uh, the Jets' uh, chances um, to beat the Raiders. They're, uh, the Raiders are favorites uh, minus three, so I like those um, points, mm-hmm. having the Jets an upset. Yeah, I've got um, another West team heading east. I've got the Seahawks upsetting in Philadelphia. We talked about Russell Wilson mm-hmm. and what he's been able to do. And when you got the running backs of Chris Carson and Brashad Penny, um, yeah, I feel like the Seahawks, they've been able to really hang with the 49ers. And now it's time to, you know, eventually... Do the Seahawks play the 49ers one more time? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. At Seattle, though. Yeah, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's time to get ready for that game. And it starts with a game like this when you go on the road. It's going to be just like an NFC playoff game. Mm-hmm. And if the and if the Seahawks want to be a part of the NFC playoffs, they got to get, get wins like this away from their own fan base. And really, <laughs> the Eagles have the, pretty much the same colors as the Seahawks. So it's... I don't think it'll be, like, much of a difference. (laughs) All right. Thanks for tuning in to Aztec Sportscast on KCR College Radio, the award-winning San Jose State. We just discussed some football and the collegiate level and the pros, and we made our lock picks and upset picks. Uh, Let's talk about some baseball. So just some very quick news. Uh, So it was announced today uh, the new um, newcomers for the – BBWA for the yeah the Baseball Writer, Writers Baseball Association, Association of America mm-hmm. and uh, right away that stood out you know Derek Jeter as the yep. newcomers another couple of newcomers was Cliff Lee Josh Beck Jason Giambi uh, Paul Canerco Rafael Furcal Bobby Abreu and Alfonso Soriano and the uh, the holdovers still uh, right now is uh, Kurt Schilling has a 60.9% from last year. And then you got Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds in the high 50s. Uh, Larry Walker in the mid 50s. Um, do you think Derek Jeter is going to be the only one inducted? I don't think so. Who's the other ones you think? Um. I feel like Larry Walker may have a chance um, to see what he was able, the way he's able to grow from 2018 to 19, you know, growing that 20%. If he can match what he did, he's pretty much in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, Abreu might get a couple of votes here and there. Bobby yeah. Abreu will yeah. get at least over that 5%. Mm-hmm. How about Heat Felt? I know the odds are very, very low, but I don't know. There's a couple of writers here in he San Diego. He might get a vote. Maybe one. Maybe. Um, Adam Dunn, a Hall of Famer? No, nah, I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah. No. How about um Manny, Mar- Manny Ramirez? I don't think so. He's been hovering around. He's, what, year number six now on the ballot? He's been. He's only been hovering around that. I don't think he's even reached 10%. And... You need 70% to get in and mm-hmm. 75% to get in and, and be kind of tough for a guy like Manny Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ballots are sent out to 400 of the riders. Um, you know, you got to get the 75%, as you mentioned. Uh, the ballots will be mailed out by uh, New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. December 31st, and the results will be announced on January 21st. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if uh, other, um, you know, 
other can uh, candidates will be inducted mm -hmm. with Derek Jeter. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, uh, you want to make your picks, and we'll announce them next week. How's that sound, Andrew? Okay, we'll do that. All right. So tune in next week where Andrew and I we're gonna make our picks. We get up to ten um to pick four um for the Hall of Fame. Okay, so some little bit of free agency moves, so to speak. Uh last week uh the Braves signed Will Smith, um reliever, uh to a contract of three years worth of three hundred and nine million dollars. Thirty nine million. Mm-hmm. And um, Major League Baseball made a change of rules with their uh, injury list. So the pitchers will have a 15-day IL, while the position players will still have the 10-day um, IL. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I think I like this because, you know, pitchers, that's about two starts. Um, if they're on the 10-day IL, now it's three starts, um, you know, pitching every five days. Um and I think it kind of, it'll be a tactic that favors the pitchers to have time to heal versus getting ready for a start in 10 days. Mm -hmm. So the awards uh, for the season were announced last week. You know, uh, when we came here at the air uh, last week, Yaron um, Alvarez for the Houston Astros won Rookie of the Year. Pete Alonso from the Mets won on the NL side. Uh, manager of the year uh, was Rocky Baldelli from the Minnesota Twins. And um, the NL side was uh, Mike, um, oh, I don't want to say this wrong, but Mike Schilt. Mike Schilt, yeah, mm -hmm. for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Cy Young, I was surprised. Uh, Justin Verlander won the Cy Young, uh, beating off his, uh, we can pretty much assume, his former teammate. Uh, Garrett Cole. Technically, both were former teammates. No, uh, Justin's still gonna be with the Astros, though. Uh, Charlie Martin. Oh yeah, yeah, Charlie Martin. Yeah, that's a good point. What did you think about that? I think it. I think that's kind of the biggest shock. Um, through both Manager of the Year and Cy Young. Um, I feel like you know when you think about Mike Sheldon, what he's been able to do. You know, he came in ha middle of the year and mm -hmm. turned around a Cardinals team to. Make the NLCS. And I he think. never played a single game yep. mm -hmm. at all in Major League Baseball. Yep. Jace Tingler is going to try and do the same thing. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, all right. Rocco Bedley, I like this decision mm -hmm. that the writers made, I think, mm -hmm. to turn around a team that only won 70 games to win 101 in 2019, where the year in 2017 they made the playoffs, I think, mm -hmm. kind of shows that energy that Rocco Baldelli had for the Twins. They just have to find a way to not play the Yankees in the playoffs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, for the NL, Jacob DeGrand, again, back-to-back -back Cy Youngs for him. It's been uh, the ERA uh, category for Jacob DeGrand mm -hmm. that has helped him win. And for the NL, um, MVPs for for each side, as uh, LA took the, uh, the MVPs. Both. Both uh, Mike Trout from the Angels and uh, Cody Bellinger mm -hmm. from the Dodgers. Yep. Angel likes or uh, Kyle likes that. Yeah. Uh, Mike Trout uh, <laughs> being another MVP. I think, I think Mike Trout deserves it. I mean, you think about yeah. what Alex Bregman was able to do this year to have that push. Um, but I like Alex Bregman's class. Once the decision was made, talking about how well Trout and Marcus Simeon had. Um, 
this goes to show you the the class um that Alex Bergman has. Yeah. All right, we got about ten minutes. Um, talk about some Padres. Couple of news. Um, on Friday, Eric uh, Yardenly was claimed off of waivers by the Brewers, and uh, Jacob next cleared waivers and was optioned to Triple A Paso. Um, so the winter goals we talked about uh, last each week. Of, last week. Each of us had one thing. To focus, I had pitching, left-handed bats, and bullpen help. You had um, solidifying the middle field, you know, catcher, second base, and center. And then you put ace, durable bullpen, and getting people um, on the 40-man roster yeah, because to get on base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, you know, right now the Padres are in that roster crunch trying to open guys up to protect guys from, that, from the Rule 5 draft coming up. Um, you know, we're coming up to that deadline where the Padres have to make those moves and to keep guys off uh, the Rule 5 draft. Or nobody gets claimed, yep. honestly, on Rule 5. <laughs> Be like they don't do Reyes. Yeah, they don't do nothing. And mm-hmm. I can see the only one, but I think it would be Estre um, Ruiz. Yeah. I think he would be the only one. I'm not so sure about Buddy Reed. Uh, Jorge Oña has been a bust. I, I think they might. Find a way to have Buddy Reed on there because you're not sure about the outfielders. Well, I think they can... Well, let's talk about the roster then, in that case. <laughs> Who do you think they will have um, in the outfield? Will it be a new outfielding? Or they'll have a couple of um, new... Or the same uh, newcomers? I think it depends on what A.J. Preller and Ron Fowler think about, you know what outfielders they want. They want left-handed hitting outfielders. We know that. Uh, mm-hmm. we want, they want outfielders that are going to get on base. You know, see, here's the thing. Francis Cordero, he's a left-handed bat. He's got he gets power. injured so yeah, much. He, gets he injured already got so injured in yeah, the winter he re- Yeah, he re-injured himself. <laughs> and, you know, they have to find a way to keep Francis Cordero on the field if he's going to be a force for this Padres team. You know, for 2020 and beyond. I think they're going to get a couple of outfielders, maybe That's one or I two. Like. Mm-hmm. I don't think they want to wait for Francis Cordero no. or Buddy Reed. Um, I think they want to get some well, consistent major league quality and players. Then, for and it. then you got Taylor Trammell. I think he'll. I think this is his year to... Uh, he'll be in AAA. Yeah, he'll be in AAA. I think this is a big year for him. He'll either will blossom and you know having as the future or he'll continue to go downhill but mm-hmm. i think he'll have a good year i think mm-hmm. um you know the Padres have been connected to a couple of players uh especially pitching uh these are just rumors but they've been connected to john jay uh mass and bob gardner and zach wheeler uh for those three that have been mentioned as rumors brevin who do you think that's who do you think is the most appealing pitcher in order to be into the um, rotation? When you think about Zach Wheeler, I think it's because of the price that Zach Wheeler's going to be at compared to Steven Strasburg or Garrett Cole. I think that's the big thing. I'm not sure about Madison Bumgarner. And, you know, with John Jay, it was to be that outfield uh, leader out there. No, John Jay, uh, pitcher for the Colorado Rockies. Oh, 
John Gray. Yeah, John Gray. Sorry. There you yeah, go. I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, my I mistake. Think, I think with John Gray, I think it's. I don't know about. Uh, within the division and being able to sign free agents. I mean, what I think some of the free agent signings that have stand out. You think about Kobe Ellsbury, going from the Red Sox to the Yankees. I think that was. You see where Jacoby Ellsbury is now. He's not on his, not really on a team, and you know, I think it's tough to think about. You know, you playing in the same division, you play a team nineteen times in the regular season, and it's going to be tough to to see if you can get John Gray or Madison Bumgarner. I would think that now John Gray is a solid pitcher, but. I will make the comparison just very slightly of the time when uh, Garrett Cole was with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, you know, towards, uh, I think, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Wasn't doing good and then got traded to the Houston Astros and has been on fire since. Mm-hmm. I feel like it will be a, a little similar situation, but I think he will be a mid-rotation uh, John Gray mm-hmm. in this Padre rotation. Yeah, I think what the Padres are trying to find uh, guys that can be at the top of their rotation with Garrett Richards, guys like Richards, Mackenzie Gore, maybe, uh, Luis Patino, even Chris Paddock, Denelson Lamette, all these starters that have a chance to, that could be an ace down the line. And um, speaking of the rotation, I just looked up in Fangraphs, um, the projections, uh, they have Lamette as the best pitcher for 2020 at a 3.5 um, wins above replacements. And then you have Chris Paddock at 3.1. And then you have uh, Richards. I'm surprised he got 3.2. Uh, the only reason why I'm surprised is because of his pitching and see if he'll get healthy. And uh, Luke Casey was at 2.2. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like they can add another prohibitive Was, was uh, Lauer on that list? Uh, I didn't check Lauer. I just uh-huh. checked very quick who was the mm-hmm. best, I feel like. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I would think Lauer would be a, maybe 1.1 or... Yeah, around that one. Yeah, and the wound, and the yeah. ones. Uh, but do you think the Padres, um, in case they don't go after uh, Steven Strasburg or Garrett Cole in the free agent market, do you think it's the best route for getting an ace and who will be the ace? I think it's tough. I mean, I've heard you know, like Shane Bieber from the Indians. Um, you know, I thought about you know, Mike Clevenger. Yeah, Clevenger. You know, some of these the Indians who've thought about trading Francisco Lindor mm-hmm. um, to the Dodgers, and you know the the Padres. They just have to find a way to get an ace that's going to be part of the long run in twenty 2020, twenty, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. I saw and on MLB com that um they have the Padres on their side that they felt like Chris Paddock, Mackenzie Gore. And maybe a little bit of Luis Patino is they're untouchable. Untradeable. I think so. I mean, I mean for me, I would lessen my offers if I I would uh, include uh, Luis Patino in a trade if I yeah. were to get a Shane mm-hmm. Bieber or a you I, know Blake y- Snell. Yeah, I think when you think about the features game, and you saw Luis Patino what he did in the seventh and eighth innings that kind of showed what the Padres were able to get out of him on a national stage. Mm-hmm. What about the um? I have Mitch Hanniger. Would you get him? I would try to get him. He has three years control. Can hit righties. Gets on base. I, I know last so. year was injured, but 
2017 and 18 were very good seasons for him. I think it depends on what the Padres utilize him as because you don't have a DH. Um, I think it depends on what you decide to give in return with that. How about uh, Wilson Contreras for a catcher? You would, you would have to give up one of the best framing catchers in baseball. Because I don't think the Padres want to give up Mejia. I don't think the Padres want to have a left-handed bat um, that, that that leads the team at that catching position. I think I felt, you know how um, the Cubs feel like their um, U Darvish signing was a bad signing? Mm-hmm. But it was pretty good um, this late in the season. I yeah. would try to make a call for the Chicago Cubs and, you know, make a swap for Will Myers and U Darvish. Maybe I think it depends on what he what he's done. I think when you think about what you Darvish has done in the past, and you know to, the World Series kind of showed it all. You know that Game Seven where so called tipping his pitches and you know but I think it depends if you want those four years left on his contract or whatever's left on his contract. I think it's uh between how much is the trade off for the money yeah be a factor mm-hmm. as well, but. I, Hey, he's a very good pitcher, and mm-hmm. I saw the projections, and they have him as um 3.8. All right, so we're going to wrap this up. Anything uh, you want to say uh, last night, Kevin? Uh, we just want to say thank you for all of you tuning in to Aztec Sportscast here on KCR College Radio, the award-winning sound state. And we talked our Aztec football. We've talked some basketball. Andrew and I, we're going to unveil our 10 names for the Hall of Fame next week. Oh, uh, we'll do a preview for uh, the men's basketball on yep. Monday since they'll face uh, Tennessee State. Yep. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Aztec Sportscast with Andrew and Brevin on KCR College Radio, the one with Santa State. Tune in to next time. Bye-bye.